welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm like a kid at Christmas, excited to share a recent and returning Firebird Book Award winning author with you. He is Nick Chiarkis, and his winning book is titled Nunzio's Way. His previous Firebird win is titled Weepers. Nick grew up in the Al Smith housing projects in the Two Bridges neighborhood on Manhattan's Lower East Side. When he was in the fourth grade, his mother was told by the principal that Nick was unlikely to ever complete high school, so you must steer him toward a simple and secure vocation. Instead, Nick became a writer with a few stops along the way, a U.S. Army paratrooper, a New York City police officer, a deputy chief counsel for the President's Commission on Organized Crime, and the director of the Wisconsin State Public Defender Agency. Oh, and just by the way, on the way to becoming an author, he picked up a doctorate from Columbia University, a law degree from Temple University, and was a Pickett Fellow at Harvard. How many mothers are told that their children are hopeless? How many kids with potential simply surrender to despair? That's why Nick wrote Weepers and Nunzio's Way for them. And I love that, and I just love Nick. So welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you so much, Pat. Good to talk to you. <laughs> it's so good to talk with you again. I was looking forward to it. And congratulations on the obvious book win, right? Well, thank you. And 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 I'm not just blowing smoke. The best part of the win is getting to talk to you again. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I just love speaking with you. You're you've you've just done so much, and you do so much for people. And um, yeah, so I appreciate you. And I was wandering about your website the other day, and I, this caught my eye. You list five things that most people don't know about you. Um, and your website is nickcharkis.com. I won't give them all away, but I like this one. You were one of a handful of the NYPD cops sent to Woodstock in 1969 to provide security, and you say it was spectacular and enlightening. And Oh, my gosh, what an experience, huh? Oh, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, if you, uh, There's several videos of um, a cop in uniform, talking about, uh, I guess there were state police in the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. about how they didn't see any New York City police officers there. And the reason for that was there was about, oh, maybe 200 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is all of the other police were dressed in uniform with their guns and stuff like that. But West Pomeroy, who was in charge of security, dressed us in red jackets with peace on it, uh, red little shirts, khaki <laughs> pants, and these white helmets. Um, and so we just sort of blended in. Yes. But it was just, just hey, I'll tell you something. I'm on stage and I'm doing something. I just have my short sleeve shirt on. And um, Jimi Hendrix points at me and says, Hop Town. And I say back to him, and <laughs> I, I couldn't believe he was talking to me in the first place. And I say, hop down. And he says, hop down. And he's pointing to my left arm. And on my left arm, I have a tattoo from the Army. Oh. And he saw enough of it to see 101st Paratrooper. And what he was saying is, I know you got that tattoo in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. We used to call it hop town. Oh my God. And at that moment... He told me he used to be in the 101st Airborne Division. 
Jimi Hendrix was the U.S. Army paratrooper. I had no idea. Absolutely. Anyway, it was it was enlightening because Wes Pomeroy, who was and I was a young cop, Wes Pomeroy, who was in charge of security and an old sheriff from California or something, told the crowd we only expected about fifty or sixty thousand people, and there was a half a million, and there was. Hell's Angels and the Black Panther Party and everybody. And he told the crowd, first of all, he introduced New York City police officers and they all booed. And then he said, there's only three rules. Um, Don't hurt anybody. Don't steal from anybody. And if someone needs help, help them or call us. And they applauded him. And as a cop, I realized the importance of you don't have to be the fastest gun or the toughest guy. And sometimes just talking to people, giving them some room mm-hmm. is the best way to control a crowd or or to get what you want. And I think that's why it was so very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I know that a couple of accidents, but generally everybody got along. And I learned a lot from West Pomeroy. Anyway, I'll stop talking. Oh, no, that is fascinating. Yeah, you know what? Just that human element, people always relate to that. And we seem like we've lost that these days. And so uh, something to keep in mind. Wow, what an iconic moment in time for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, the things I, I, I was always stage right. Yeah. And um, when um, Janis Joplin said to me how nervous she always is before she performs because she thinks it's the only time that she could be useful. And she always prays that God makes her useful today. Oh. Um, And I said, oh, my God. You know, I love her. And she's nervous before she performs. And it's it's eye opening, you know these iconic people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll I'll stop talking about that. But it was it was. Oh, can I tell you one more thing? Please do. Um, so at, we stayed on a dude ranch, and every day a van would bring us to the campground. But mostly we were there for about fourteen hours a day. Um, it was wonderful. I didn't want to be anyplace else. But every morning. There was this little girl, probably nine or ten years old, that she would be riding one of the horses in the morning. She had long blonde hair. The name was Virginia Pomeroy. It was West Pomeroy's little daughter. Anyway, years later, in the in the eighties, late eighties, I become the state public defender for Wisconsin, and I'm visiting this forty offices, and I'm visiting all my offices and introducing myself. And I get to my appellate office in Milwaukee, and there is Virginia Pomeroy, an, an appellate attorney in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. It was, it, it was a small world moment for me. Oh. We became fast friends. I was going to say, <laughs> did she remember you from when she was a child? No, no. no oh. But as soon as I heard a name, I said, are you related to West Pomeroy? <laughs> and she said, that's my father. And I said, did you used to ride a horse at a dude ran And then we just laughed. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, you, she's great. <laughs> you were in the right place at the right time. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. Oh, thank you for sharing just a little bit of your past. I, I just 
was very, very interested to hear about Woodstock. All right, we're going to get down to your book. There's a review on your site that starts by saying, Nick Charkas knows of what he speaks. He ran the streets of New York City as a child and patrolled them as a cop. And talk about write what you know. That's exactly what you do. Um, yeah, both weepers, um, as you know, and Nunzio's way, I wanted to um, lift the curtain on a life that lots of folks might not be aware of or might not really know. They think they know, but they might not really know. And and it was a life of growing up with kids that became mobsters, growing up with kids that became longshoremen and cops, um, uh, remaining friends through the years, a, a life where the neighborhood sort of watched out for everyone, where um, women sat on benches with their baby carriages. And um, if I was doing something wrong, Chico Borges' mother would point at me and say, Nikki, you stop that. Or I'll tell your mother. And I would stop. Um, it was, um, you know, I've heard in later life, I've heard people say things like, gee, why don't those kids in these poor neighborhoods just do what the cops tell them? And the truth is, they have to live in that neighborhood, and their reputation in that neighborhood is way more important mm -hmm. than fitting in with the rest of society. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's something we could deal with, but we, we don't. Um, or uh, I remember a politician here in Wisconsin a kid had some problems at school, and this particular politician said to me and a couple of other people, you know, when I was growing up, if I answered a teacher back, when I came downstairs to the breakfast room, my father would let me have it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, the three mistakes here. First, you come downstairs. <sighs> Second, you have a breakfast room. <laughs> and third, your father was there. These kids don't have any of that. Yep. Start again. Yeah. Um, and, and so I wanted to I wanted to raise this curtain. I am I I have become amazed at the weight poor people carry and think that we sh we should applaud it rather than criticize how they carry it. Mm -hmm. Um not feel sorry for them, but just understand that they're um, – I'll say one more thing and then I'll stop. So, for example, as public defenders, representing a young woman in court, she's late and the judge is scolding her and um, telling her that the most important thing in her life was to get to court on time, and she knows that. And I explained that. First of all, she lives in a car with two children. The most important thing in her life is to make sure these two children are someplace safe before she gets to court. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we don't grasp or we want to close our eyes. Uh, anyway, yeah. I wanted to raise this curtain, but I didn't want to do it in a preachy way. And I didn't want to do it as a sociologist. I've written nonfiction. I wanted to tell the truth, and the best way to tell the truth is through fiction. Mm -hmm. And and so that's why I wrote the books. Um, anyway, I go on and on, don't I? No, you don't. I love I love our conversations.
maybe then for our listeners, give us just a little peek into the book. Sure. Um, so uh, in Weepers, um, Angelo and his gang, as you know, Angelo, <coughs> excuse me, Angelo and his gang defeat Satan's knights, which is was the most notorious gang at the time, with some help from Angelo's uncle, Nunzio Sabino. So against that backdrop, Nunzio's way is three years later. And um, when I when I wrote Weepers, it was primarily about Angelo and how you become a gang member and all of that stuff. But I also wanted to say more about Nunzio, the gangster. He's a complicated man. Um, he was actually my uncle Mario. And so against that backdrop, um, Nunzio's way digs deeper into Nunzio himself. It begins with his attorney asking Nunzio if uh, he could help him become the mayor of New York, the next mayor of New York. In 1960, the reason I picked that date was that for the first time, the Democratic Party was not going to support the incumbent Democratic mayor. And so they were looking for somebody else. And so Nunzio's lawyer wanted to be that somebody else and wanted to know if Nunzio would help him and could he win. And so the first line in the book is, pal, in this city, you can have anything you want if you kill the right four people. Mm-hmm. So based on that kind of and it's about the the um, mafia wars during the early 60s. Um, there's also I introduce uh but I think is an interesting character, Heather Potter. Heather Potter, uh, at the same time this is going on, um, just assassinated the head of the Camorra in Naples, Italy. She's 22, and she's on her way to New York to kill Nunzio Sabino. Um, and Nunzio, um, Nunzio and Mario were... What? Oh, I remember telling you about this teacher who told me to read everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I would. I would hide often in the public library in the fiction section when a gang was chasing me. Um, Nunzio uh, gave me the prints to read, or Mario. And uh, I was rather young, but I read it, and I remember and I believe I put it in the book, asking him, um, did he really think that um, to be feared was better than to be loved? And he corrected me, and he said what he said was, to be feared was safer than to be loved. Mm -hmm. And he's wrong. If I can't have both, I'll pick love. Fear, he told me, tastes like sulfur. And love tastes like Sunday dinner with your family. Love will take a bullet to you. Fear will get out of the way and wish it well. Um, and so if I can't have both, I, I will pick love. And and uh, that touched me, and I remembered it through the years. Um, so Nunzio was deeper than gangster characters that you might see um, on television. Um, and for me, a good man, 
for others, um, they feared him. Uh, he was a he was a tough guy. Wow, wow! How was it to introduce Heather Potter? How was that for you to write this character into this group? <laughs> this was this was fun. One at one point, <clears throat> Nunzio told me, and I'll keep using Nunzio instead of Mario. Mm-hmm. Nunzio told me um, that in the late. 40s or early 50s, I don't recall, there was a woman assassin from one of the Nordic countries who came to New York, killed somebody, Interpol was chasing her, and she flew back, I think, to Germany and then on to wherever she was going to go, but Interpol was waiting for her, and she never got off the plane. She didn't jump out of the plane, and they never found her. Mm. They have no idea how she disappeared. So I wanted to weave that in. Several people, including my eye doctor, who is this lovely woman um, with red hair, blondish red hair, and always dresses to the nines and very polite, um, asked if her name could be in the book. And I said, well, her name is Heather Potter. <laughs> and I said it could be, but I can't tell you what you'll be. I don't know how I'll use you. She said, oh, make me anything. So I made her the assassin. <laughs> and when I told her, she was actually at the book launch. And when I told her she was the assassin, she said, this is the most exciting thing that's happened to me since childbirth. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, so um, I, I made up a story, fictionalized this character that Nancy told me about that was a female assassin and sort of vanished when she left. Um, And the rest is just me making up and fitting in the other stuff. Right, right. Is is Mario still alive? You know, um, I keep saying he, in the past tense, he died this March at the age of 99. Oh my gosh, Nick. In in uh, his his memory was sharp. Um, he would walk every day. His wife Phyllis told me that um, he didn't feel well one day. His legs were bothering him. They went to the hospital that day. He laid down. They examined him. They came out and told Phyllis he he's gonna go. And she went in and held his hand. She asked if he was comfortable. They said, "Yeah, we gave him a bunch of stuff." And he just passed away. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, I think I think I, I like the idea of living a full life and dying quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, instead of dragging it out, and that's what he that's did. What he, he lived did. what he decided was a full life and and died quickly and oh. peacefully. Oh, wow. So at 99, at this past March. Oh, my. I, I was thinking about him if he had had an opportunity to read it no, or know about it. That's so sad. I sent him a um, PDF that, that Phyllis copied, and um, he he she was able to read it to him. Oh, okay. And he chuckled and laughed and liked it a lot. Um, he was surprised that I remembered stories yeah. that he told me. 
he told me that stuff about killing four people. That's not true. I never really said that. I say, I know I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fiction. It's fiction. Yeah. Um, but he loved it. He loved it all. Oh, uh, but he died before I could send him the actual book. Well, at least he got to read, read it or have it read to him. That's, that's awesome. And, and he, he once told me, um, and that's why I named it that he once told me his way of staying alive and staying alert was to be a fox when he thought there were traps and a lion when he thought there were wolves. Were wolves and yes. so that's why it's Nunzio's way. Oh, my gosh. Well, almost a bit of a tribute to him then. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It kind of is. Interesting. How was it to write the second book as a standalone sequel, just for those listening who might be writing sequels, to write it all on its own, but still pull from the previous book? How is that to write as far as a process goes? So that's hard. Uh, it was harder than I thought it would be. So the, the first thing I did after doing a bunch of research, the first thing I did was, this is three years later. So for each character, I wrote down, typed out what they what they did for those three years, how they might have changed, how they affect the storyline, um, and then tried to decide, and this was hard, tried to decide how much to put in the book, the new book, um, from Weepers to let folks, to give folks some background if they hadn't read Weepers. Mm -hmm but not to bore the yeah. people that read Weepers and I'm repeating stuff. So I, I tried to do it um, seamlessly through conversations or discussions about what might have happened. And Angelo looks up at the roof that Jimmy fell off of as a reminder to people mm -hmm. that read Weepers and know what happened in the whole story without trying to explain everything. Right. Um, and I think, and the second part is to make sure whatever promises I left hanging from weepers that I answer here in Nunzio's way. So um, uh, people might say, so how did things go with the Father Mac returning? I wanted to make sure that I mentioned something about that as well as other things. Mm -hmm. So the filling in the blank part. And I think knowing how much to include and how much, um, how much to leave out, how much becomes just telling and telling and telling, mm -hmm. um, was the hard part. Yeah, I would think so. I was thinking about that process and thinking about how delicate that has to be, and the tendency might be to talk too much and tell too much. So, uh, very very interesting. I also want to talk about your cover because. This might sound weird, but when I first saw your cover, I felt like I was already inside the book. I felt like oh, I, I was that. part of the book. I mean, I hear I felt like I was surrounded by the book and that I was actually on the bridge, enveloped <laughs> by the book. It's a very kind of odd thing to try to explain to you. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I love what you're saying. And I'm going to tell Mark, uh, Mark Schmidt, who I give credit to in the book rightfully is a friend of mine, is that there is uh, uh, 12 or 13 of us guys that have dinner once a month, 
Um, and we talk about anything and everything. There's lawyers and Republicans and Democrats, and everything stays in the room, and we've been doing it for years and years. And Mark Schmitz is an artist who owns an art company called Zebra Dog. And when I was writing Nunzio's Way, he said, Nick, let me do the cover for you. It's on me. Let me do the cover. And so when we were getting close, I sent him a draft of the book, and then we met a couple of times, and he wanted to know the story. He wanted to know um, what feeling I wanted to get out of the cover. Um, and uh, he was wonderful about the lion and the Brooklyn Bridge. And um, he actually went to New York um, and came back and drew this wonderful, wonderful cover. And actually printed a framed picture that is a huge picture that I have on my wall oh. of the cover after he was done. And we it, it, we went through several drafts of it until he had the feeling mm-hmm. that he thought expressed what was in the book. So for you to say you looked at the cover and you felt you knew the story, I mean, Mark would just be giggling <sighs> to hear that. Uh, but I thought he did just a wonderful, wonderful job on the cover. Oh, absolutely. And I was so pleased that it won first place in the Firebird Book Awards. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a cover. Every time I see it, I get that the, the sensation. And you could tell whoever drew it that they actually had been there. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that he went there to feel it because I don't think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you could put that on paper unless you actually had that feeling. It's so amazing to me, the talent that people have, that they could take that feeling and here it is on, on paper. I know. I, I was very moved by yeah. what he did with the cover. Yeah. Uh, when he showed me the pictures, um, it was, boy, you, under, you, you, you just wrote the whole story right there on the cover. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, my hat off to him. Be sure to let him know that I said congratulations as well. I, I, I actually said to him, hey, Mark, you know, you you proved that you can judge a book by its cover. <laughs> you, Good you, cover, man. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> and he posted, um, I'll send you the picture he posted. Okay. I'll email it to you. Okay. He posted a picture of him and Amy, who works with him at Zebra Dog, holding up the, the picture of the cover. And he writes on it, um, this came in number one at Firebird Awards, the cover design. Oh, and by the way, it also won Best Crime and yep. you know other stuff, something like that. I know, like three. <laughs> it won <others>. cover design. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, three. I think three or four, three or four awards it won, didn't it? It did. It did. I know. It won um, Best Crime Fiction, Best Thriller, and Best Suspense. Suspense. There you go. All oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Nick Charkas, I love this conversation. Um, we're going to begin to wrap up. I want to make sure we're not missing anything or something that you might want to bring up or highlight or talk about today. Uh, we're not. We're not. Um, it, um, uh, what I want to talk about, what I would like to end with saying is uh, if you read this book, I hope you find it hopeful and it, if you're facing life right now, I hope, um, like my dear friend Pat, um, you find hope in it and each day find some kind of hope. Um, 
these are hard times. Yeah. And um, there's still there's still a lot of good people out there and caring people and kind people, and let's focus on that. Absolutely. Let's remember that and look for that and give it. Yeah, hold doors, tip waiters. No. Um, be kind. Just be kind. Oh, that's so. Just a little simple things that we can do. So, yeah. I think that's right. I think it is a little thing. Mm-hmm. Pick love. Pick love over fear. Over fear. And isn't that the truth, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All righty. Well, how, wait, are you working on anything new? What's, what's in your pipeline now? So there's going to be a third one, and I'm writing it only to get to talk to you again. <laughs> um, and maybe a book of short stories. I always thought of writing, when I was a cop, writing um, stories from the back seat of a police car. Oh, yes. Things that I just heard people saying and stuff. So awesome. I thought about doing that as well. Oh, good, good. Never stop. You're so good. Oh, it's fun. It's it gets you get lost in it's like living twice. <laughs> it's <is>. fun. <laughs> Two realities. All righty. Yeah. How about sharing then any contact information where folks can find out more about you, get copies of your books? Just take us wherever you want. Um, if if you're looking for a local uh, bookstore, I love Mystery to Me in Madison on Monroe Street. You can get to their website and you can get a signed copy from them. Amazon has the book. Potential House Publishing has the book. Um, and if you uh, want a signed copy and you have it from Amazon, send it to me. I'll sign it and send it back to you. Mm-hmm. All righty. How's that? It's perfect. All right. We're speaking with Nick Charkas, his Firebird Book Award winning books, two of them, Weepers and Nunzio's Way. His website, nickcharkas.com. And you can tell from this conversation that this is just one beautiful human. I am so happy we met, so happy to have this opportunity to speak with you again. And I look forward to our next our next conversation. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you. And thank you for donating um, to, to the women's shelters and children. Um, I know that you guys do that at Firebird, and thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for your book entry, because all the submissions go toward that, so we really couldn't do nearly as much as we do without authors like you submitting to the Firebird Book Awards. So my gratitude goes to you as well. Thank you, my friend.